Mother's Day is around the corner and I have the best gift idea for you. Hold on to your hats. It's mylifeinabook.com. Every week, My Life in a Book will send your mom a question via email. They will compile all of your mom or the mom in your life's answers and create a legacy keepsake book. The book becomes something you and future generations can treasure forever. I gave both my mother and my mother-in-law my life in a book, and they've already started responding to the prompts. When my mother-in-law received her first prompt, she said, oh my goodness, what a thoughtful gift. And that's what we all want, right? We all want to give thoughtful gifts. So check out mylifeinabook.com and use code SUSTAINABLE at checkout for 10% off. Create an unforgettable gift for your mom this Mother's Day, mylifeinabook.com, and use code SUSTAINABLE for 10% off today. If you've been paying attention, you've likely heard something about gut health and why zoning in on your gut health is so darn important. You need EQ's Daily Women's Microbiome Defense. It's a three-in-one capsule that supports your digestive health and promotes gut barrier protection. I started taking EQ's Daily Women's Microbiome Defense because I have a bloating problem, friends. Yes, I do. Inflammation is not my friend. Since taking one capsule a day on an empty stomach with water, I have noticed more energy, improved skin, and here's the big one, reduced bloating. Head to myeq.com and use code SUSTAINABLE for 15% off Equilibria's microbiome defense and so much more. That's myeq.com and use code SUSTAINABLE at checkout for 15% off site-wide today. Well, hello there and welcome back. My name is Stephanie Safarian, and you are listening to the third bonus episode in the Real Life Sustainable Minimalists series. Today, I am speaking with Marie-Eve Gaudreau-Lamar. We are speaking about her very quiet, very simple no-spend year. I feel as though when people go on no-spend years, they market the heck out of it on social media. And what I want to talk about is what it's like to go on a no-spend year and not tell anybody about it. So that's what I'm excited to talk about today with Marie-Eve. Marie, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. And you? I'm great. I'm so excited to talk to you. Before we get into your no-spend year and your sustainable minimalist journey, tell us your 30-second elevator pitch. Who are you and what do you do? Yeah, so um, in my professional life, I'm a an, an art conservator. So I restore and preserve uh, works of art on paper and uh, objects um, on paper. Uh, but in my personal life, sustainability and uh, thinking about the environment is one of my uh, great passions. I grew up in the countryside. I was raised by parents who were really uh really thought about the environment uh, a lot before it was cool or before it was popular. So I remember growing up, we they recycled before we had curb uh, recycling or uh, they would do uh, composting in the backyard or being mindful of what they, they bought and everything and or finding reusable bags before they were even sold in the grocery store. But that's not necessarily what everyone were uh, doing. Um, but that's 
the environment I grew up in. Well, I know you live in Canada, just outside of Ottawa. And what I found really interesting about your story is that even though you grew up with green-leaning parents, you found yourself kind of at a moment when you realized that even though you also thanks to your upbringing, considered yourself green-leaning, your actions did not match your values. Talk to me about that. That's a bold statement. Your actions didn't match your values. Unpack that for me. Yeah, so so like I said, growing up with my parents who were really green-leaning, like you said, I always considered myself um, green. I figured, well, I recycle. I think I know how, to, I mean, I think I knew how to recycle. And I didn't buy too much stuff. I tried to use what I had, and well, I'm green. Uh, but a few years ago, let's I I think uh, I want to say maybe two years ago, I started reading more about the the state of our world, the state of the, the environment, and I realized I consider myself green. But recycling is really basic. I realized I didn't even do it completely properly and I didn't think about their life cycle of what I was uh, buying or my my footprint so all of these things I realized I wasn't really uh, considering and I didn't know much about it even though I considered myself someone who was mindful of the environment so I really went into a deep dive two years ago reading a lot and uh, about it uh, watching videos online and making uh, drastic changes. <laughs> I went through a short period of time where, where I went through a lot of changes to try to readjust my life to what, like, I didn't feel comfortable seeing that I was uh, an environmentalist if I didn't change the way I lived. You mentioned doing a deep dive into research, and I guess I'm wondering if there was a moment that brought you there. Was there a moment in your life two years ago that stands out in your mind as, oh my goodness, I could be doing more? Or was that a show on TV? Or was it a for NPR piece? Or what brought you to that place? Because I'm asking that because so many people never get to that place where they look critically at their own actions. Yeah, it's, it's funny because even not that long afterward, uh, after I changed things, and I couldn't remember exactly, I I know that one of the first things I learned about was the um, uh, was uh, low waste or no waste. So that's a concept that I learned about uh, during that time, and that was the start of a very big change for me. But I can't really pinpoint one specific thing. Yeah, that's so interesting because. You didn't have a defining moment. You didn't have a specific turning point, yet you changed your behavior so drastically. I already alluded to in our introduction that you went on a no-spend year, which is huge. That is a gigantic undertaking. But you also became a vegetarian. Let's start. Let's talk about that because that is something I don't feel as though I have adequately covered on the podcast, we've talked about going from vegetarian to vegan, but I've really never done a deep dive into going from meat eating, or I should even say meat loving, to vegetarian. So how did that 
happen for you? Well, uh, funnily enough, my partner brought it up first. And uh, for him, I mean, he's, he also cares for the environment. But the reason why he brought it up was more for ethical reasons for the animals. And my first jerk reaction was, well, it's natural. We, we eat plants and animals. It's the cycle of life. So, so that was my first knee-jerk reaction. But then when I started reading more about it and realizing the environmental impact to it, that's what pushed me to changing it. So he brought it up for a different reason, but we became vegetarian um, together. So did you incrementally lean into vegetarianism or did you just wake up one day and you said, I'm not eating <laughs> meat anymore? <laughs> And no, no, it was gradual. I mean, we had some uh, meat in the house. It was more drastic for him, but I continued eating uh, mostly fish and some poultry gradually because I do have some health issues that really limit what I can eat. So it made me more difficult. So I had to do more research into finding a good alternative that wouldn't be bad for my body. Um, so if, yes, for me, it was a bit more gradual and for years I didn't eat dairy. So I, I can't consider myself completely vegan or plant-based because I do eat some, uh, dairy products and, um, eggs, uh, because it's so complicated for me, but I, I try to tend towards, uh, plant-based. I'm trying to put myself in the shoes of a omnivore who's listening right now and, he or she would likely want me to ask you, but what about those moments when you really crave a fill in the blank, a hamburger or a piece of chicken or whatever it may be? What what do you do in those moments? Um, that's a good question. I mean, there are a lot of alternatives these days uh, for these cravings, although I think my years of experience limiting my food because of my health issues, these limitations, for example, gluten or dairy-free or all kinds of stuff, I fo I've found way more limiting uh, than switching to uh, vegetarian. And also because I did it gradually, it wasn't too bad. Mm. So what I hear you saying there is that you didn't just <laughs> jump into a meat-free lifestyle you had already been in the process for health reasons, for ethical reasons, for other reasons, been dipping your toe into a vegetarian life. You've been you had been taking steps perhaps in that direction. I'd love to pivot and discuss what I really want to pick your brain about, which is your no buy year. Like that is huge. I feel like I need to just stop and give you your well-deserved moment of recognition for that, a no-buy year. I preach a one-month no-spend challenge. It's the first chapter in my book because I believe that putting a moratorium on spending really uh, re-centers you around what's important. It enables you to meet a savings goal. It allows you to redistinguish between wants and needs Talk to me about the thought process that led up to your no-buy year. Yes, yeah, so so that was, uh, so I decided 2020 was my uh, no-buy year. So about a year ago, a bit just over a year ago, I decided 
that I actually saw a few videos on YouTube talking about no by months or even no by years. And I really liked the idea for me because I knew uh, that we were going to buy a, a new condo uh, in 2020. So I wanted to save the money before buying a condo. I also wanted to reduce the amount of stuff. Um, so basically to use up what I already have so that I wouldn't have to move it. <laughs> um, and also I wanted to reduce my footprint and reevaluate what I really needed to be happy because we had accumulated, I like everyone, we had accumulated uh, stuff over the years and things that we weren't using. But I want to say, I say we because I have a partner, but this this was a personal decision. He didn't do the no-buy year. Uh, I would just want to say that uh, you can do a no-buy year even though your whole family is not doing it. So I just focus on myself. Walk me through your parameters. When you say no buy, are you saying no buy on wants? Are you saying no buy on anything? What were the rules? Okay, so my rules. Um, so what I did, I, I looked at my budget the year before. Throughout the year, I had made a more detailed budget. So I looked at what I thought was excess, so wants that I could be cutting. So for example, for me, there were, were some codes as uh, our streaming subscriptions or so video subscriptions. So I really looked at what I thought was excess in my previous year. And I focused my rules on that. So uh, basically my rules was to only buy uh, the necessary. So bills, uh, only what is needed to replace what I used up. Of course, food, medicine, but I, I didn't cut completely my wants. I know that some for some people, a no buy month, for example, means no, not buying any wants. But because I was doing it for a full year, I decided to give myself a bit of leeway. So I reduced to a minimum my subscriptions, and I focused on experiences for my wants rather than objects. I did allow myself if there were things that I wanted. I didn't have any limitation if it was free. So for example, if it was from my uh, local uh, group, uh, Facebook group, uh, where we exchange uh, free objects, or uh, if I could find it secondhand. So I, I had a small budget for secondhand. The Sustainable Minimalist Podcast is supported by Aero Garden. If you live in a cold weather climate like me, outdoor gardening may be inaccessible to you for up to half of the year. But February is indoor gardening month, and so there has never been a better time to get serious about growing your own herbs, vegetables, salad greens, and more with Aero Garden. I love that Aero Garden makes indoor gardening super easy, super tasty, and worry-free. Just insert the pre-seeded pots into your arrow garden and add water. Because plants are grown hydroponically, they grow five times faster than a traditional outdoor garden, no green thumb required. Most plants are ready to harvest in four to six weeks and will keep producing harvests for six months or longer. Find the arrow garden model that's right for you 
and get 20% off site-wide with code MINIMAL at checkout. That's A-E-R-O-Garden.com with code MINIMAL at checkout. Now back to the interview. I can imagine that you probably saved an awful lot of money, and so I'm going to ask you a totally (laughs) inappropriate question, and you can tell me that you don't want to answer or you can tell me a ballpark, but I have to ask it because a no-spend year is huge. Do you have any idea how much money you saved? Um, I have an idea. Um, The thing is, so things happened that weren't foreseen. So COVID affected my boyfriend's work. So I had a a stable um, work, but he didn't work a lot of uh, last year. And also our cat went through a very difficult time. You had the uh, health issues. And for anyone who had a pet with health issues, they know that going to the veterinarian costs a lot of money. So basically what happened is what I saved, I will say probably all went into my cat and also the condo. And that allowed me to lived through that unexpected, very big expense. When I say very big, it's several thousand dollars without going into, like, affecting my bank account, basically. Yeah, going into your savings, yeah. Yes, yes. (laughs) What did the year teach you? Did it teach you anything? Um, Well, (laughs) it it wasn't an interesting year uh, to do no buy year because, like everyone knows, um, a a few months into it, COVID happened. And so I don't know if every year would be the same because uh, for several months I wasn't going outside as much. So I, so part of the temptation maybe of of buying stuff wasn't as like there as much. Uh, one of my rules, for example, was not to buy any clothes, and I did buy uh, a few things secondhand. And I realized most of my slips happened close to where when I moved. Or right after I moved, and there were a lot happening. This this was in July. We were kind of between the first and second wave of COVID, but still in middle in the middle of it. And um, with the move, uh, everything happening, I kind of needed a bit of lift me up. And these situations where we're more vulnerable is when, I mean, even though it was very small, like someone can tell me, well, you only bought like things that were secondhand, that this is great. <laughs> um, but wasn't my, but my plan for the year was not to buy any of, of it. So, but I mean, I, I'm still happy with the results. I'm really proud of, of myself, in the, even though I didn't do a like 100% no buy year. Uh, but mostly I still learned about what I really needed to be happy. I was never a big spender. Uh, in my life, but I realized that there are a lot of things that we have on hand already that we're not using. And if we focus on experiences, on uh, our friends and family, and just using up what what we have, looking at what our community can uh, give us. One thing I really want to hone in on as we talk tonight is that a no-buy year is huge. It is a it is such a significant undertaking that I feel like uh, I only hear about it when it's some influencer doing it 
and posting about it all the time on social media. It's almost as though a no-buy year is a marketing uh, technique. That's not the right word, but I feel as though you and my listeners listening know what I mean. It's like something you should tune in for. Tune in on how I'm doing this. Follow me so like you can learn my tips. I want to ask you, how did you stay motivated through an entire 12 months? I know it was a pandemic. I know your cat was sick and had big bills. I know your partner was out of work, but how how else? What other ways did you stay motivated to fulfill your goal when you didn't have, <laughs> you know, hundreds or thousands of people hanging on your every word, keeping you accountable? I mean, the the money was a big part of it because uh, remembering that uh, I wanted to save money for the condo uh, for my cat. I mean, the situation with my boyfriend didn't have work for some period of time. So focusing on my goals was the most important thing. And that's what kept me going throughout the year. And also uh, I had my budget, like every month I was listing everything that I had bought and looking at if I had slipped or not. But then you, you, you do have to be careful and not be too hard on yourself because July, August, like it's mid-year, you tend to forget at some point that you're doing it uh, because it becomes your new, it's just regular. Do you have any words of wisdom for listeners who are listening right now and maybe maybe they are um, ready to embark on a no-spend year or a no-spend month or maybe maybe they're more interested in looking at their spending habits through a critical lens. Do you have tips for them as to how they can cut back on the unnecessary purchases and live a more minimalist life? What really helped for me the most was uh, before even considering starting my no-buy year, uh, for a full year, I really kept track of uh, my budget, listing everything that I spent and dividing it in categories like um, entertainment or like my cat or um, food, restaurants, these kind of things. And when you add up the full year and see how much you spent, on one specific thing and you realize, I mean, of course, because it's a full year, it always looks like a big amount. It is a big amount. So for me, that was what what pushed me and remembering that uh, amount because the money was a big part of uh, my, uh, the reason why I was doing it for me. So um, it really depends on what is your motivation. Well, what I love about our conversation today, Marie-Eve, is that you really married the concepts of sustainability and conscious consumerism. I feel like for a lot of people, the connection between those two lifestyles is muddled. It doesn't make much sense, but I feel as though you really spelled it out for us. For you, the um, the impetus was saving money to go on your no-buy year, but the fact remains that buying less or even buying none is a really powerful way to help our planet because overconsumption is rampant. Would you agree? 
No, yes, completely. Like I, I, I did talk a lot about the mon- the money, but really, um, like at my core, it was it's it's more like my footprint and reduce because we have so much. For example, like I didn't buy any shampoo or soap in that year, and that's not because I stopped showering. <laughs> that's because I just decided, well, I'll just use up what I have. Right. Yeah, that's such a good point. We forget how much we accumulate. We are predisposed as human beings to accumulate. And the problem with our oversized (laughs) living spaces is that we forget how much we've accumulated. Has your no buy year informed your future purchasing decisions? And if so, how? I've, I've become really good at doing inventories <laughs> of what I have and uh, making sure that I really need it before buying it. So I did uh, start the no by year in January, February last year with a pantry challenge where I did an inventory of all the food, trying to uh, go through that. And also I've become really good at uh, looking at different options secondhand. Um, I've found a lot of stuff in the last year, needs or wants um, so that I found free or uh, secondhand. And I mean, even though buying something secondhand is not completely no buy, it's buying something that's already there. So uh, you're not creating a new product. Hmm. What I love about your story is that you are living what I preach. (laughs) You're living it for 12 months. And so I want to thank you so much for coming on this show. And I need to, this is going to be so weird, but I've been thinking as we've been talking for 33 minutes about how I butchered your name at the beginning of this episode. So I'm going to say your full name at the end and I'm going to kill it. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. Marie-Ève Gaudreau-Lamar. That was actually really good. I'm I'm, I'm impressed. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Marie-Ève. I really enjoyed this conversation. You have given me, personally, a lot of inspiration, and I'm certain you have done the same for my listeners as well. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It was really fun to talk with you. Listeners, I so hope you enjoyed this super casual conversation with, here we go again, Marie-Ève Gaudreau-Lamar. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you are enjoying this series, The Real Life Sustainable Minimalist. I've been so fortunate to be talking to sustainable minimalists all around the world. It's been such a pleasure for me, and I hope you are enjoying it as well. Reach out to me. My email is in this week's show notes. Reach out to me on social if email isn't your preferred method of communication. I will see you next week, next Tuesday, with a more formal interview as scheduled. I will see you then, my friends. Stay home, stay healthy, and take care.